Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. Today we're going to discuss the situation at Michigan State, and then uh, after the break we're going to talk about my recent trip to the Eternal City to Rome. Next on the Flint Catholic Podcast. All right, welcome back. I'm Father Tony Smila. Patrick Brennan. All right, so we're going to start with a pretty heavy topic today, and yeah. uh, hopefully after the break we'll uh, we'll lighten it up a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, recently we just uh, you know all witnessed the uh, the mass shooting that happened at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and we, we're seeing this happen a lot in our country, and we're seeing so much uh, ink being spilt over you know what's the cause of it, what's happening, why why is this starting to happen? It, it's the right question to ask, right? Why why? Um, right. Why do we see this uptick in violence? Why are we seeing all of these events happening one after another after another? Yeah, especially when it when it's close to home yeah. or, or when it's at home. Uh, that's when these why questions surface the deepest. So, yeah. yeah, let's let's dive into it. Well, especially here, you know, we've we've had multiple that have been very close to home. And uh, there's been you know, I know this made national news. Um, but there are students at Michigan State who were present and at the building in Oxford mm. uh, when that shooting happened. So now they've gone through this twice in their life, which is, is crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's, it is important to, to go over, okay, why what's going on here? And, and I know some people can get really tired of it cause it's, you know, I think a lot of the conversation that our, our culture is having is, is the wrong conversations. Um, and you see it happen over and over again. Oh, you just got to do this. You just got to do this, and and boom, that'll solve everything. And of course, we know none of these difficult issues are, are going to be solved by just you know the perfect piece of legislation, or you know that's not that's not the issues here. Um, what I want to do is I want to I want to ground this this conversation in, in a piece that Anthony Esselin wrote. Uh, he's a he's a really um, I think insightful thinker, uh, writer. I got this I think from uh, Crisis magazine. Uh, I, yeah, pretty sure it was from Crisis where I got this from. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually, he actually wrote this months and months ago. Um, I think he wrote this back in the summer. So this is before Michigan State. Um, and uh, he wrote an article called Behind the Motives of Mass Shooters. Okay. And, uh, and, and I think this is a good way to, to ground our conversation here. So he says, you know, when, when, um, when this happens, we ask the questions, why? And, and a, a common way to do it is, okay, means, motive, and opportunity. Right, mm. especially when you're when you're trying to convict somebody in court of law, right? Those are what you're looking for: the means, the motive, and opportunity. Did this person have the means? Did they have the motive? And did they have the opportunity to commit this crime? Sure. And so, we're, when we look at the why from this question, I think that can be very helpful as well. Uh, when we see people on Twitter, and and I was on Twitter during during that whole thing happening and seeing all of these questions come up, um, and so some people look at the means. And I think that's just, this is where we commonly see a lot of people reacting is the means. Well, if this person didn't have the means to commit this crime, then that's, that's the issue. That, that too many people have the means. Too many people have guns. Mm-hmm. And if we just get rid of the means of, of, uh, of, of the, um, the attack, then, it's, then all the problems will go away. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we just get rid of the guns, that's going to be it. And, of course, as Christians, I think, I think we can— pretty safely say, well, no, that's, that's not going to get rid of it. Um, in, in, uh, England, London in particular, they pretty much have banned weapons over there. And what's happened? Knife attacks have skyrocketed. Mm. Right. Um, so the, I don't, I don't think the problem lies in the means. 
So then, okay, well, let's look at, uh, let's look at the opportunity, right? Um, you know, they, the person saw there was an opportunity there. So what do we do? We just post armed guards everywhere and we just, you know, put, give more people guns and that that'll get rid of the opportunity for them that moment. Right. So we see the, the gun free zones, right? They look at the gun free zones and they're like, this is a soft target. We can attack now. Certainly we sh should protect people. Right. But that's not going to solve this issue either. Mm. The issue goes much deeper than that. Um, there's always going to be some place, some opportunity somewhere. There's always going to be soft zones somewhere, right? Um, so you can focus on the opportunity of it, but I don't think that's going to solve the issue either. And so you see kind of, um, if you want to look at it politically, like the right and the left, one, one side looks at the means, one side looks at the opportunity, um, and, and I think it's the motive, that's the one we really need to pay attention to. And this is the hardest one to really look at because um, evil comes from the heart. Yep. Evil comes from the heart. And, and when we, we look at these situations, you know, so, many, so much brokenness in the human heart, so much brokenness. You know, it's, it's got to be a tremendous amount of brokenness that leads a person to commit such a violent act like this, right? Cause it's, not, um, it's not society forming them in a certain way. It's, not, it's certainly not video games that does this to people. Mm. Um, it's... It's the human heart. It's, it's brokenness in the human heart that does this. Um, it's the family, right? It's fa uh, the, the destruction of the family in our culture um, can, can lead to a lot of this. It's, uh, it's social media um, that, can, that can lead a person to a place where, you know, either they, they hate themselves, they hate the world, um, they, they be, um, become mentally ill because of social media. I, I know that social media is a, is a cause of mental illness in our country, and I'm not afraid to say that. Mm -hmm. and it should, a lot of it should be banned. Um, and we see also, so really what we need to do is look at the heart, look at the human heart, look at the, um, the causes in that, that way. And I, and I only just named a couple of different things there, but there, I'm sure there's more. And I think that's what makes this problem so complex is that there's no one like magic bullet to, to, to do this. Right. Right. Um, and, and really in, at, at the heart of it all, um, it's, it's Jesus that needs to, to do the work in our own hearts. Mm -hmm. What we see is, is a tremendous lack of, of the Lord in, in all of this and the Lord, lack of the Lord in our society, the lack of the Lord in, in being able to change and transform lives that even out of the brokenness of our lives, you know, we can rise up and we can give hope. I think that's it. When, when somebody gets to a place where they've lost hope, that's when now the door is open for, for such um, awful evil to occur. Yeah. It's a loss of hope. And as Christians, that's what we hold on to, the hope that even though our lives may be a complete and utter and total mess, that that hope of Jesus Christ always sustains it. It is always there. And we use the word, when I use the word hope, when we use the word hope in a Christian context, we're not using it in, in the way that I hope the Lions one day win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Because because we know that well, I, I used to be able to say that that was impossible, but I don't know. May, I've got a little bit of lion's hope right now, but <laughs> even that hope is is different than the hope we're talking about in a Christian context. Because what we hope in is something that we can have have confidence in, like extreme confidence in. It's the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's His um, victory there, which will then lead to total victory in the end. And that's the hope we hold on to, that, that Jesus will indeed have total victory in the end. And we know that because he walked out of that tomb on Easter Sunday, yeah. that he walked out of the tomb and, and proved to us and to the world that he conquered death. He defeated death and sin on the cross, and, and we can participate in that victory of his. 
And that's the hope we hold on to no matter what our family situation looks like, no matter how much we've been um, uh, wounded by other people, we've taken wounds ourselves, no matter how difficult life can get, that we hold on to that Christian hope that in the end, Jesus will have total victory. Yeah, and you know what it makes me think of is um, the, the hope, uh, that, that Christian hope, it goes deeper than, say, our family background. Mm-hmm our socioeconomic status, our, um, you know, educational level, whatever the the measuring stick is in terms of, um, you know, a a good life in the eyes of society. If you have Christian hope, you don't necessarily have to have all those other good things in order to make life work well. Because I think there's a, there's a pressure on humanity when something like this happens like okay how can we fix this to make sure it never happens again and it like you're saying there's so many variables that would have to uh come into place and and there's so many different things to to ensure uh uh you know the the flourishing of of a community but if the if the foundation is God, then the, the flourishing will come from that foundation. But if we're trying to flourish without God, right. it's like we, we, we cannot handle that Rubik's Cube. Yeah. And we're not supposed to. Right, right. Not meant to be that way. Yeah, I often say, you know, I, I hate the phrase God can't, God won't give you more than you can handle. I hate that phrase. Because <laughs> it's just, hate that phrase. it's not true. It's not true. So often in our lives, we look, if we take an honest look at our lives, we're like, man, this is way more than I can handle. Way more than I can handle. And it's because we're not meant to handle it alone. We're not meant to go at it alone. We're meant to do that with Jesus. We're meant to, you know, fully depend on him. Like, we can't depend on him if we never have the opportunity to depend on him. Right? And, and so, yeah, we're oftentimes brought to a place where we need to be humbled, need to be pla- brought to a place where we're like, I-, I can't do this on my own. I, I give up. That kind of reminds me of a Lent. You know, like that's the whole thing of Lent. Like we fast and like give up things yeah. to learn to depend on God more. That's exactly right. I mean, especially for fasting for me, man, I hate, uh, I hate giving up food. Mm-hmm. Like I hate fasting. It's, I like food a lot. And so like every day, like I'm fasting, it's like, all right, Lord, I really need you today. Because yeah. cause I'm hungry and that cheeseburger looks really good and I know I can't have it today. Yeah, but, and you know, another word that comes to mind is, and we've all experienced this at, at some moments in our life, that feeling of being overwhelmed, right? So, I I mean, I don't know what it's like to, to be on the verge of, of committing a crime. I'm sure it's a sense of I'm overwhelmed, mm. but uh, but just as someone that's uh, experienced the, the overwhelming nature of the, the tasks of life or the sadness of circumstances or whatever. We've all experienced that. And so it's like, what do you do with your overwhelm? Do mm. you, do you allow it to, uh, you know, kind of control your response and, and, um, and take you to a place of, of crippling anxiety or whatever the, the, um, yeah. uh, you know, the fruit of that overwhelm is. But I think, you know, not that that phrase, obviously, we, we don't like that phrase, God can't, uh, doesn't give you what we can't handle, but, but maybe the, the spirit behind it is once you've given yourself over to God, then whatever comes, 
whatever comes is no longer has a power over me that's that's greater than the power within me yeah it's it's interesting as you're saying that it's like I'm, i'm thinking this is this is how the evil one wants to work not only does he want to overwhelm us but then he wants us to not turn to the lord and then triple the amount of overwhelmed feeling by bringing us anxiety by bringing us despair and, and and depression and all of these things he he compounds the feeling of being overwhelmed by by with all of that that muck and gunk in our own hearts and then that 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 just can spiral us out of control um that's the 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 traditional playbook of the evil one yeah and man i mean we could we could do a little a little uh, scripture analysis of cain and abel yeah and yes. and how you know god uh says to Cain, like, hey, why are you crestfallen? You know, sin's knocking at the door, yep. but you can be its master. And and God is saying, like, Cain, if you turn to me, you don't have to give in to this, um, you know, I don't know what the literal translation of the word crestfallen is. I'm sure there's, there's uh, some fancy Hebrew word there <laughs> uh, that we could talk about. But, um, but it just makes me think, like, God is saying to all of us, who are tempted to darkness, like it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, I tend to think of uh, of Mary Magdalene, in in t- in a subject like this, where where she was like at that low point in her life, completely like overwhelmed in every aspect of her life, and that's the moment the Lord breaks in. Yeah. And she had a choice in that moment. She could have she could have said, uh, "No thanks. I'm gonna do this myself." But she didn't. She turned to the Lord in that moment. She turned to the Lord. I love the the portrayal in The Chosen, too, uh, of that scene where he calls her by name. And it just, it shakes her to her core. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. it's so good, right? And and it's because he's, he's breaking through that anxiety. He's breaking through that despair that she feels in her life. And and she, she reaches out to him in that moment. And she says, okay, I'm going to let you carry that. And she's a completely different person on the other side of that. Yes. Like everything about her completely changes in that moment. And then you look at a character like Judas on the other side, right? Who, you know, who maybe try, was probably trying to do the right thing, do what he thought was right, trying to, you know, bring Jesus to a place where he's going to call the kingdom forward finally. And, and, it, and it doesn't work out. And all of a sudden Jesus has now been killed. And now what do you do with that? You know, he, he clearly makes a mistake and clearly understands the gravity of what he's done. Mm. And the Lord didn't abandon him in that moment either. Instead, he, he turns and he turns away from the Lord and he does not accept the Lord continuing to reach out to him. Yeah, and, and I think a question that people could ask uh, when you have a, a shooting or uh, some other tragedy is, well, why didn't God intervene? Mm-hmm. You know, if God's all powerful, why didn't He stop it? And the 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 scandal, and I use scandal in quotation marks, is that God has made us so free. He's made us so free. And if I were God, I I, I wouldn't have the guts <laughs> to make m- my creatures, my children, this free. Yeah. But He makes us so free that if we like we're saying, if we don't build our society on the foundation of God, God's God's not saying I I don't well I don't want that right. Like I'm just gonna let that happen. Like a bad father who's just absent. Right. Right. But he's saying 
I, I'm, I can't force my way in because love doesn't force. Right. And so he waits for us to call out to him. And it is, man, it, it's, a, it's a very weighty thing when you think about our human lives and just how free we, we truly are to turn to darkness or to light. Yeah. And so to uh, perhaps start to put a bow on this conversation, um, you know, we can, we can look at like answers to this in a, in a local and, and a, and a broader environment. And in the local environment is like, we, we need to look at, at the own, our own place in our own heart where we turn away from the Lord, right? Where's that darkness that resides in our own heart and, and work like crazy to, to root out that darkness and, and that, that sits in our own heart and, and really making sure that, Hey, you know, whenever, you know, I come upon difficult times or, you know, stress comes up, anxiety comes up, I'm calling it out and I'm giving it over to the Lord every time because we can think, Oh, I, I would never do something like that. Well, you know, but for the grace of God, so go, so go I, right? right? It's, you know, I, I can't say that I would never do something like that because that's that's where despair leads people, and, and I very easily could fall into all of that as well. I mean, how many you know f- figures in the church have have fallen due to uh, due to due to sins of, of various sorts? Um, so we we have to continue to to go to the Lord, um, go to Him, and especially in the sacraments, um, and to continue to to you know root out the the darkness in our own heart. Um, that's the internal look. Then we have to look outside as well and and we need to that this this is really the urgency of evangelization if we want to to root this out in our own culture this is a culture that has to to be centered on god again we have to bring jesus and and god back into um back to our culture you know this is this is what um you know for america's history you know we didn't shy away from having god be a central aspect of everything we do and I think we need to return to that. It's been a huge mistake to, to root God out from the public sphere. And I think we're seeing the consequences of that. And so the urgency of evangelization, the urgency of showing the world that you may be overwhelmed, but, th- but there's hope in the midst of that and, and proclaiming hope to a world that needs hope. You know, that's when we're evangelizing, you know, that can be a word we can really take advantage of and, and, and shout from the rooftops, hey, there's hope here. You can have hope here, not just not just a, a, a silly hope, but but a deep and and and, and uh, a kind of hope that we can really rely on, and yeah. build a foundation upon. Yeah, I mean the beautiful thing is that no matter what situation or state our culture is in, or the world, or particular events, Jesus is still Lord, still alive, still conquering the enemy. And it's a matter of, are we going to allow him to do that in each in each of our lives? Yeah, absolutely. Start with us. It all starts right here in my own heart. Amen. Amen. All right, that was that was a good conversation. Yeah, that was good. Uh, after the break, we are going to talk about my recent trip to Rome. I just got back a few days ago, and uh, you know, I'll share some highlights. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. Uh, so I just recently came back from Rome, and it was pretty sweet. Uh, so I was on pilgrimage with uh, St. Catherine's Academy, and we spent six days, uh, spent about a day and a half in Siena, 
and then a day in Assisi, and then the rest of our time in Rome. Got to see the Pope, which was cool. How close? Uh, actually, uh, so he came up the aisle, and I was probably about eight feet from him. Whoa. I know. Were you tempted to reach out? and? I, I was... Uh, I was Let's just say there were a lot of people who were very uncomfortably close to me in that moment, and it was difficult. And so I barely got a glimpse through like three people. I was I was two people from the from the edge. I was I was that guy. Uh, so I was on pilgrimage with twenty five high schoolers and a bunch of parents. And so I was kind of the guy on the edge who was like boxing everybody else out. So you know, I, I took one for the team. I've seen the Pope before, so you know, I wanted the the, the high schoolers to to get a chance to. Uh, be right there up against the the rail yeah i'm considering transferring to st catherine academy now you're, con- <laughs> you're, tra- you're considering transferring to an all-girls high school <laughs> dang it wait <laughs> yeah sorry about, well, hey, about that you could work there someday you i could, could work there you could we yeah. we know a bunch of people who work there now yeah. so a bunch of former seminarians work there mm. really evan oh Pam, man and that. uh tom or wow i know right dang yeah so what what would you say was there um, uh, an adventurous? What was maybe the adventure part of the trip, and mm. then uh, maybe like a lasting memory or okay, something good good out. question. So, uh, what I liked about this pilgrimage, the way it's set up, is there was a few days where like you had the afternoon off, like you get lunch on your own, spend a few hours, and and just go. There's a few things you can do, and you know I've kind of done all of those things. This is my third time doing that pilgrimage, so I've done all those things, and I've done the cupola tour, which is really really cool. If you ever get a chance to go to Rome, you want to do the cupola tour. That gets you, um, so you go up the dome of St. Peter's Basilica. And like at the halfway point, they let you off and you are inside the bottom part of the dome uh, inside St. Peter's Basilica. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me, that's a really, really important thing to see because it gives you a perspective of how big St. Peter's Basilica is. It's the biggest church in the world. Really? Uh, it is. Oh, wow. It's the biggest church in the world. Um, there is not a church in America that wouldn't fit comfortably inside. Um, in fact, if you go up kind of the main aisle of St. Peter's Basilica, um, there's different stars along the way. And it's got the name of the church of where this is where that church would end if it was inside here. Whoa. This is the size of this church if it was to end here. Is that but, flexing? Is it what? Is that flexing? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, so uh, the biggest one in, I think, the States is... Uh, um, Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's about two-thirds of the way down of the main aisle at St. Peter's. Woo. It is huge. And it's it's interesting, too, because when you walk into St. Peter's, you can't really tell because the proportions of that building are so perfect. It's just you look at it and you're like, wow, it's huge. But then, like, getting the perspective from the cupola inside the uh, um, the dome and you're looking down, then you can see, oh, this is, like, huge. This is massive. It is so big. And then once you're done there, you keep going up and you're going like spiraling up inside the dome. And then you get up to the top and you look out into St. Peter's Square and into the city of Rome. Wow. And it's incredible. That is amazing. Incredible view. Why is it called the cupola? I think the cupola just means roof or dome. Oh. So you're going up to the roof. Cool. Yeah. I need to go to Rome. You do. Um, It's awesome. So. Uh, so with the adventure, the question about the adventure, um, I didn't do the cupola tour this time because I've done it a few times already. And, um, so the adventure is just kind of walking around Rome. 
So I just spent like a few hours just like getting lost in Rome, intentionally just trying to get lost. And then, you know, with Google Maps, you can always find your way back. So just like seeing all the different things, there are 650 churches inside the city of Rome itself. And so every time I saw a church, you just pop in. You never know what you're going to see. You walk into a church. Oh, there's uh, St. Philip Neri right there. Walk into another church. There's the hand of St. Francis Xavier. Uh, that's in Jesu. Um, and and I love that, that his right hand is on display because it's like um, he is like the world record holder in baptisms. Oh, and wow. so we're like displaying the hand that baptized more people than anybody in human history. Which amazing. I think is, is really cool. Does it say where the rest of the body is? Uh, Just I don't out. think so, but it was it was in Italian, so okay. couldn't really read it. Got do you it. have any idea how many baptisms he did do? I think it was over 10,000. Over 10,000. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. It was definitely over 9,000. <laughs> That's right. I went there. That's um, sweet. So, uh, yeah, there's just, you know, there's so many surprises. And, and one of the cool things, actually, I was, so I was there on Fat Tuesday. And uh, one of the cool Italian traditions is basically that's like the Italian Halloween. Um, oh, wow. Where all the kids are dressed up and they're celebrating. They're in costumes. And um, there's like there's confetti like everywhere on the streets. It is amazing. In fact, I was at the steps of which church was I at? I don't remember which church I was at. Um, and I was just I was just kind of on the steps outside and, and eat my lunch. And um, there's, you know, there's confetti everywhere, right? And so a street cleaner comes through and, you know, spends 20 minutes just cleaning it up. Sure. And he leaves, and about 10 minutes later, a group of, like, 30 kids. It was, must have been, like, an elementary school trip. They all went over to the steps into the piazza there, and they brought confetti, and they just, like, <laughs> they just messed up the place again. There was confetti everywhere again 20 minutes later. Wow. It was fantastic. It was very fun. So, yeah, being there on Fat Tuesday, I had four servings of gelato. Ho, ho. Because I knew that I was going to have zero the next day. It was the lentiest start of Lent <laughs> I've ever Lented. So are these like different flavors? Yeah. Gelato just means ice cream. Yeah. And like every, so there's a million gelato shops because Rome's known for it's really good gelato. And like each place is going to have like, you know, 20 to 30 different flavors. So, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and just give our listeners, how would you describe if, uh, if you were to give the, the adjectives and the description yeah. of gelato, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's better than American ice cream, and it's not even close. Um, two, two main differences are, I, I think the flavor is just better. Um, they're, they're really concerned about the flavors of it. And, and I think that the thing that really sets it apart is the consistency. It's very light. Um, it doesn't sit like a rock in your gut like American ice cream does. American ice cream is very heavy, mm. right? It's rich, it's heavy, but Italian gelato is, is light, and it is, so you can have it, and like continue to keep walking. So you walk everywhere in Italy. And so you walk in and you, you have the gelato and it's not a big deal. And it's awesome. It's so good. That's amazing. It's so good. So what's your, do you have a lasting memory from this Man. trip to Rome? A lasting memory. You know, there's always a few, always those moments that always stick out in your mind. One that I always pay attention to and make sure I'm always, I'm always aware of in that moment is, uh, so um, because the school is St. Catherine of Siena, we go to Siena, right? And we see St. Catherine, who is incorrupt. Um, well, at least some of St. Catherine. Mm. Um, her head is in Siena, and it is on display. Wow. And so the look of, of all the girls when they see the head of St. Catherine of Siena is is a particular joy. <laughs> 
because some are very grossed out by it. Some are like, oh, my gosh, is that it? What is that? Oh, my gosh. And some of them are, like, like really fascinated by it. And it, to be fair, it's kind of far away. And to also be fair, she's not looking all that great nowadays. Yeah. She's okay. not looking awesome. Okay. When did St. Catherine die? Uh, like 700 years ago. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, she is incorrupt, but, I mean... Yeah, in comparison, she hasn't done her makeup in, in a while. In comparison, I mean, she's looking great to most people. She still yeah. like she still has the skin on her face and like everything's like still intact, but it's just not looking all that great. That's amazing. For someone over seven hundred, she looks pretty good. She looks pretty good. <laughs> not bad. Good. Not bad. I like that line. Not bad. <laughs> uh, I think a lasting memory. This one is is something we added to the trip this year that we've uh, we've never done before, and I got to see um, Blessed Carlo Acutis. Really? Yeah. Oh, yep. his body is displayed it is all right now it's i think it's still too early to tell whether he's incorrupt or not mm-hmm. but he's looking pretty good looking pretty good that's mm-hmm. amazing yeah I, I have kind of a a special affinity for him because uh he was he's actually uh younger than me he was born after me mm. uh he'd be 31 today if he were still alive which is amazing to think about someone so recent right yeah. um he uh he was born two years after i was and uh you know, he's the patron saint of the internet. Well, he's going to be the patron saint of the internet. Obviously. He's, he played Pokemon. We talked about this on the air. Yeah. Right? He's, a he's, patron, so cool. he's the saint who played Pokemon. I love it. He's great. So <laughs> got to see him, which was really cool. Um, yeah. I mean, the trip's amazing. If you have a chance to get to Rome, you should get to Rome. <laughs> Rome's really good. I'm just imagining, like, Pokemon in Italian. And oh, my God. That'd be fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it was his. It was his desire to uh, to be buried in in Assisi. So he was. Th- he's there in Assisi. Oh, um, he's not from Assisi, but that's where he's at. So cool, yeah, cool. It's very cool. That's nice. So uh, I'd love to keep talking about Rome, but I know the bell just rang, and I know Pax has to get to class. What class do you have to get to now? I have an algebra test. Oh, gross. Oh, well, do be- we have to go back? <laughs> I believe I need to get you off to that class. Uh, so all right, all right. So. Thanks for uh, joining us this week. Uh, hopefully next week we'll uh, we'll be on the air. We're going about every other week right now, so that's not a terrible clip, right? That's, that's, um, yeah, we're keeping the tradition alive. That's right. That's right. So we will see you next time on the Flint Catholic Podcast. God bless.